So there's kind of three pillars in, in total. There's content and creation. So helping creators create content. Uh, there's content distribution. So after a creator makes that content, getting it in front of their audience, you know, as, as easily as possible. Um, and then lastly, monetization, like after a creator both creates and distributes, uh, you know, content, ideally helping them start making money off of this. So we're, we're trying to look within each of these three pillars and see what we can do, uh, using open and permissionless protocols where, wherever possible. You're listening to Inside the Den, a podcast about connection and the human behind the community in the world of Web3 with your hosts, Jake and Dwayne. Hey, what's up, everybody? What's up, Dwayne? We just had hey, an amazing Jake. call with Colin Armstrong, founder at Paragraph, this platform that so many of us here in the Whoop Den been using for newsletters and interacting and, um, with for sure like interacting yeah. with paragraph if you've been following any of the doc wolf and wolf pub zero like yeah yeah it's cool yeah yeah and you just released uh an article on um you know on yep. on the, the on the pup to no good journey and and you can token gate with it and it's really it's like combining the newsletter content creation with you know blockchain and bringing the decentralization factor into it and I mean, there's so many, there's so much to this and use cases. And like, I think the way I see it's like, you've got these limits on creators. And I think a lot of limits that creators don't even know about. And until you start working with a tool like Paragraph and go, oh, wow, there's so much more I can do now and how mm -hmm. I engage with my community that I didn't even realize was possible because you're kind of stuck in that old web two paradigm of, you know, this is everything's centralized. There's no decentralization component to it. And, and, it's um this is like all the, like there's like only a few ways you can really engage with your audience where this just opens up so many other opportunities yeah but one thing uh, colin did touch on there was you know there he's removed everything crypto wise like if you come from the web2 world you can still just jump onto paragraph yeah. and use it like a platform that you're familiar with like a substack mm -hmm. or whatever and just um you know you don't have to use the token gating or the crypto side of it or the web3 world side of it and you still is an excellent content creation platform. Um, I know some of the yeah. features like importing your list and getting metrics on your list and your, um, yeah, it, it's a, it's a very cool platform. And he had, uh, I wasn't expecting his background story when we first asked him that question, but he's got a very cool and interesting background. A lot of things in there you'll hear like the removing constraints and the, you know, the being curious and the lean startup. And there was so many things that I wanted to expand on. Um, and hopefully maybe we could get him back just to like have a yeah. conversation like that, because he seems like a very interesting, um, young builder in the space. And, uh, it's going to be cool to keep an eye on him for sure yeah absolutely well let's uh let's kick this thing off and bring colin on and let's do it all right what's going on we have colin armstrong who is the founder at paragraph a platform that many of us here in the wolf den are using um as a creator to create our content token gate content and it's um it's amazing seeing you know this paradigm shift you know from something that is that has been traditionally web two in terms of you know, using newsletters to create connection with your audience to now with Paragraph coming into existence to existence with Colin, um, you can actually give ownership to your community. So 
Uh, Colin, welcome to the show. It's really good to have you. I'm excited to dive into what you built here at Paragraph and um, and explore this. So welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Excited to chat about it. Now, do we do the traditional tell us your story, Colin? Like I, I was asking Jake before this, I was like, you know, I've been following Colin, but I really don't know where he came from. Like, how did he come up with this idea? Was he a content creator or like, you know, so maybe just give us, we'll lead off with the traditional question of, you know, give us a little bit of backstory and how you got to be where you are right now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to, happy to start there. So I started getting into cryptocurrency about a decade ago. Wow, you're really an early adopter. Wow. <laughs> I know G. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started started mining Bitcoin in 2011 on a gaming desktop that I had back when it was obviously possible to mine uh, awesome. you know, on like non-specialized systems. Um, you know, I, I came across it. I thought it was very cool. I didn't really think of the implications that it would have. Certainly like Ethereum wasn't around in 2011, um, you know, so was very interested kind of in in playing around with it. Uh, after mining, I started building on top of it, building on top of the Bitcoin node. Uh, I've also been a developer for, for over a decade as well. Um, so I, you know, built a handful of things on top of it. Uh, one thing was a marketplace for buying and selling digital goods. So that was kind of, you know, one of my first forays into like the creator economy. Uh, you know, I figured like eBooks and, uh, you know, video that existed solely online, um, you know, that this type of strictly digital transaction didn't need to happen you know, on traditional payment rails, it can happen just mm -hmm. fully digitally. Uh, and as soon as the payment came in, like we could programmatically see that and then release the, mm. the ebook or whatever. So kind of like gated, right? G gated content. Um, so after Ethereum came out shortly after that, uh, I thought that was awesome. I thought it, it kind of took what I really liked about Bitcoin, like building on top of it, but then it, it made it a lot better because you could extend it to a much larger degree. You could create your own programmatic, you know, smart contracts on top of it, uh, et cetera. So you know, I, I was very, again, very intrigued, you know, an internet native form of programmable money. Uh, they just run indefinitely. Anybody can acquire it. Anybody can build on top of it. Uh, you know, you can build composable apps on top of it and et cetera. So very, very interested uh, quite early on. This was about 2014, 2015, I think. So I, in 2014, uh, took a bus from Toronto to MIT by myself. I uh, didn't know anybody. And I attended a hackathon at, at MIT. So I, uh, I was in university at this time. I uh, was very, again, very interested in cryptocurrency. So I knew I wanted to do something with crypto at the hackathon. Uh, so I found a, a small group of people, uh, you know, crypto is certainly not popular in 2014. So found a small group of people also sort of, you know, very interested in, in Ethereum. Uh, and then we ended up building a distributed Kickstarter uh, app in, in, in 2014. So similar to like the creator economy thing, this that, that I built earlier, the marketplace, this was, you know, anybody could raise money for some idea. And then after they, they claim that they built the idea, then the funds were released, um, you know, programmatically again, using smart contracts. Uh, so Coinbase was at the hackathon. Uh, we ended up winning the, uh, I think there's one Bitcoin award um, that Coinbase sponsored. So we ended up winning that, which led to, uh, you know, conversation with the Coinbase employees, which led to interview at Coinbase. Uh, which led to me working at Coinbase in, in 2015 for, for a little stint. I worked on payments and anti-abuse. Uh, one of my projects was launching Coinbase in Canada. I, I'm Canadian. Uh, they didn't exist in Canada before that. Uh, so that was very cool. It was kind of close to my heart there. Uh, after Coinbase, I spent five years at Google, um, worked on 
uh, you know, anti-abuse, privacy, you know, a bunch of other kind of random things. Like surprisingly, my first job at Google was actually trying to prevent people from cryptocurrency mining. <laughs> I, uh, you know, Google gives out a few hundred dollars free credit for Google Cloud virtual machines. Uh, so people were getting that credit and then just spinning up Bitcoin miners uh, and then just, you know, pocketing the the crypto and then they don't have to pay because it's just free. Uh, so it's against their terms of service and all of that. Um, yeah, so I was kind of on the other other end of the spectrum, I think, of of crypto there. Um, yeah, anyway, so that that's kind of, you know, a windy path as to my background in crypto, my background in technology uh, and all that. So that brings me to <laughs> Paragraph. Uh, I promise this is getting this is getting somewhere. No, this is so, good. Uh, Just keep going, man. This is an excellent story. <laughs> so so during the pandemic, uh, you know, I was working at Google. I've been working there the past five years. Uh, so during the pandemic, I had a lot of free time on my hands, naturally. Um, so I wanted to start, you know, growing an audience. I wanted to start writing. I wanted to start uh, tweeting. You know, I wanted to start kind of building a bit more of a personal brand. I historically have done nothing, you know, of that sort. Was started, you know, I only started tweeting like that time pretty much. Didn't Didn't have any followers before then. Um, you know, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, in terms of long form content, I figured I could write about crypto, write about, you know, tech, write about anti-abuse, kind of anything that came to mind. So I started mm -hmm. using Substack. I think they're kind mm -hmm. of the go-to de facto player in the space. Uh, I quickly started hitting a handful of small limitations on the platform, mm -hmm. nothing too large, but, uh, you know, I realized everything looks identical. All, all publications on Substack look identical. Uh, you know, the emails look identical, you know, couldn't do anything with email automation, not a lot you can do for post organization, etc. So nothing, you know, too large, but just kind of small annoyances. So this got me thinking a bit about extensibility. I mean, I'm a developer as you know, at, at heart, so I love building on top of things, I love tinkering with things. Uh, so I looked at extending Substack, realized it was impossible to do so they, they don't offer any API. Um, you know, meaning developers cannot extend the functionality, they can't take advantage of it, they can't you know, build on top of it. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's also important to note here that even if they offered an API, like I think we've yeah. seen time and time again that platforms change the rules. So mm -hmm. I think like Twitter, you know, there's a thriving dev ecosystem on Twitter. Um, you know, they shut off API access. They've, after, uh, you know, developers started kind of emerging as competitors. Uh, like MailChimp also recently, they they realized they hated crypto. They suspended Masari. They suspended all these other platforms. So, I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. we, we've seen in Web2 that platforms just change the rules, right? If they... Mm -hmm. You know, if they don't like something or, you know, if competitors emerge. So, I mean, even if, even if there was an API, I mean, I would, I would be kind of worried about uh, ulterior motives there. So, you know, if I loved Substack as a whole, but I just hated, you know, the design options, for, for example, um, I'd be forced to either deal with that or just move off the platform. There was no in-between where I'd be able to sort of extend it or customize it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, on that same note, I, I also kind of realized they were slightly moving more and more in the direction of a closed ecosystem. Uh, they came out with Substack chat, Substack forms, uh, you know, the mobile app they launched. When they launched the mobile app, they disabled, uh, you know, email notifications for people. So they're, it seemed like they were trying to insert themselves more and more between creators and their audience, uh, which I yeah. think is contrary to what should be happening. I think, mm -hmm. you know, the platform ideally should just be out of the way, allow the, the audience to engage with the creators in, in the way that the creator and the audience wants, right? Um, many of the top, I think, users on Substack uh, realized that building a multi-pronged community is valuable. Like they didn't just have a newsletter, they also had a podcast, they also had, uh, you know, like a job board, uh, you know, et cetera. Um, and Substack, they support this community building, but only on the platform. They don't make it easy to build off the platform, right? again, due to lack of API access. 
you know, if you wanted to use Telegram instead of Substack chat, if you wanted to use Discord instead of forms, like they, you know, you, you can't do this. They don't make it easy to, to do this. I realized that Substack and a lot of these other platforms, they tout portability. Like you can export your subscribers at any time, but yeah. uh, it lacks interoperability. Um, you know, so, and also like when you talk about monetization, like you're also limited on, on Substack. Like you need to, you need to pay wall content. You need to, you know, set $5 a month needs to be recurring. Uh, Stripe's not global. You know, there, there's restrictions placed on like how you can make money off, off your audience. Uh, so broadly, you know, I, I realized that writers are at the mercy of their business model, of their platform, the tooling they launch, the features they add, uh, you know, in their terms of service, ultimately. So like looking at all of this during the pandemic, uh, you know, I realized that email is valuable, right? Like getting content right in front of your audience, very valuable. The direct relationship with your audience, very valuable. Uh, the network effects, I think, of, of Substack are, are good. I mean, I, I think people are growing as a result of some of the network effects they're fostering. Uh, but you know, more functionality, more control, more guarantees and how I could, you know, create, distribute and monetize my content is, is ultimately what I wanted. I didn't want to be kind of forced to deal with the limitations and constraints that a platform, you know, like Substack has in place, both from a feature standpoint and uh, from a developer standpoint. So that was the, the starting point of, of Paragraph. Like broadly, we're like the, this, the vision which we're kind of working towards is to help creators build media empires using open and permissionless protocols wherever possible. So, you know, the, all the extensibility that I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, all the, all the sort of developer guarantees that, you know, the rug's not going to be pulled from, from underneath developers that are trying to like make a, uh, make a living, both developers and creators trying to make a living on a, you know, on a platform um, is ultimately what we're working towards. So there's kind of three pillars in, in total. There's content creation. So helping creators create content. Uh, there's content distribution. So after a creator makes that content, getting it in front of their audience, you know, as, as easily as possible. Um, and then lastly, monetization, like after a creator both creates and distributes, uh, you know, content, ideally helping them start making money off of this. So we're, we're trying to look within each of these three pillars and see what we can do, uh, using open and permissionless protocols where, wherever possible. So, you know, a handful of examples from the creation standpoint, when you publish content, like we give you the option of storing on our weave, uh, it's permanent, it's uncensorable, it's decentralized. If you want to self-host it, you can just pull it directly from our weave, put it on your own website. You want to customize the theme, you want to do whatever you want. Ultimately, like the content is there. It's, it's not going anywhere. Uh, you know, from a distribution angle, I, there, there's a lot, I think that can be done mm -hmm. from, you know, the angle of decentralized social, uh, there's a lot of players in the space, a lot of protocols emerging, Lens Protocol, Farcaster, uh, and beyond. And I think they're unlocking, you know, new ways of discovering content and engaging with, with creators. I think looking at Twitter, for example, you're very constrained with what you can do. Um, like from a developer standpoint, I think mm -hmm. primarily, I mentioned before, they've crippled a bunch of APIs. They, they charge exorbitant amounts of money, uh, et cetera. Whereas, you know, building on top of Farcaster, Lens Protocol, like you have guarantees that if I invest you know, four months of, of engineering time building on top of this, I'm not going to get the rug pulled underneath me. And this protocol guarantees that it's going to continue operating the way that it does. And, uh, you know, monetization, like we're, the hypothesis we have is that using NFTs in place of the paid subscription model uh, lends itself to more flexibility and, and more ownership. Uh, you know, NFTs as subscriptions, they're usable across the entire crypto ecosystem, uh, allows people to develop you know, deeper and more meaningful relationships with, with fans. 
Uh, and the constraints that I mentioned before about, you know, recurring subscriptions on Substack don't, I think, exist for this. Like it can be one-off, it can be bundled, it can be time-limited, it can be revocable. You can use it, you know, wh whatever you want, however you want, because ultimately they're owned by, uh, by, by the creator. They're, they're not sort of dictated by the platform. So that was a long kind of windy way, but that, that was ultimately kind of what we're trying to work towards, uh, you know, at, at Paragraph. Yeah, that's uh, that's really amazing to hear how how into the details and under in, in identifying the actual limitations through the process of creating on a platform, and the, you have such an extensive background in the blockchain space. You know, whatever ten years, I believe, is what you said. So, you know, I'm sure that certainly helped you understand the decentralized component of it really well and, and where the tech can really evolve to to function the way you need it to function. Um, one of the things that I'd love for you to to touch on to kind of follow through here, because you you've you've identified all these limits with paragraph, you're you're removing them, you're creating a platform that's um that is more empowering to the creators and the developers. Um how are how are you seeing um because the whole decentralized space is such a paradigm shift right and how people think about it and how they think about creating and and you have this tool that gives that empowers creators to to interact with their communities in a very different and unique way how would you how would you explain um this paradigm shift you know and how par paragraph can really help people work through um, a way of engaging with their community that does empower them and does add more value than what maybe they've seen in traditional ways with newsletters and content creation. Hopefully I've made that question make sense for you, but yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, I think like, let me just preface this with, I think there's a lot of work to be done uh, in terms of <laughs> like UX and, and onboarding and helping creators realize the potential. Like certainly we, you know, our go-to-market's been focused on web three natives right now. Uh, mm -hmm. I think they understand you know, the, the power of ownership and the power of incentives and, and a lot of the Web3 tooling that we're building, they, they understand it the best. But, uh, you know, there's no reason why in the future, like people, just standard Web2 creators would not be able to sort of use the same, you know, the same thing that's empowering these Web3 communities, but them, them themselves. Um, you know, so there's a handful of things that we're doing to, to kind of help creators realize the potential of this. Uh, one is, like, again, going to the UX standpoint, just trying to make it as easy as possible for people to feel at home. Uh, like, you can sign up on Paragraph using an email. You can, you know, create your publication. Like, the editor is kind of feature parity to what you'd expect out of, like, a standard newsletter platform today. Um, so generally, just trying to remove and abstract away as much of the crypto as possible, unless you want to sort of get your hands dirty and then start, you know, you can mint an NFT on platform and, and do a bunch of other stuff. Um, as well. So just really, you know, large focus on like UX and, and onboarding. Uh, we'd also want to work towards getting to a point where we can kind of demonstrate, you know, like kind of like a, a just provisioning your account for you. If like you're, you're a DAO or you're an NFT community or whatever, just like one click, you already have, you know, a token imported, you already have, you know, everything that you need, uh, you need to do like to, to sort of start taking advantage of, of some of the powers of, of this. Um, you know, another is, I think, just pointing to success cases. So you know, there's a handful of creators that have like monetized or that have built a closer community. So being able to kind of say, okay, this is what this person did. Um, it's replicatable to, to a certain extent. Like this is how you can take it and sort of, you know, to take both the learnings as well as the functionality to your own community and, and, and try to sort of run with it. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's so many things, especially out of your story, like, um, 
I had so many questions because just remove like removing the constraints was a big one. Like we we hear that so much inside the Wolf Den and TGA and our communities or whatever is um, the power in removing those constraints for people. So um, yeah, one of them that we see, especially in the Web three world, is just um, gaining those new audiences or giving them exposure to something new that they might not understand, but has the same functions that they need. Just that added layer that, you know, is a benefit if you want to dive in and get your hands dirty. So um, yeah, it, it's cool. Um, we're actually excited about kind of helping bridge that gap <laughs> from, from the web two to the web three world, because we've seen the power of some of these tools and um, yeah, just hearing your story. I'm, I'm so impressed with like what paragraph is doing and, I just launched my first article yesterday and, and it was an awesome process to go through. It was really fun. Um, I'm looking forward to diving in and like, like you said, making it more my own because I haven't dove into all the options where I can like customize it and, and figure it all out, but it, it's, it's a fun process. So I'm really looking forward to diving in more. Awesome. I want to, I want to actually bring one, cause I took a note here from something you said about removing um, it says remove away as much as the crypto as possible. And and mm -hmm. this is actually something we've talked about too, with the interoperability of, you know, the different networks and um, kind of the blockchains happening in the background, but maybe you don't necessarily interface with it as much. Um, and certainly that is something that, plays a big factor when it comes to onboarding too, because when people have to go into getting a wallet set up and now they got to get Ethereum in the wallet and then they got to buy the NFT and that's not something they're quite used to. Um, you know, it, it can be a bit limiting for them, but um, I, I'd love for you to maybe expand a little bit on like kind of that, that limitation for people when it comes to, when it comes to actually interfacing with with the platform in terms of um, what it, what do you mean by like removing as much of the crypto as possible? Like maybe we can expand on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to. So if you have no wallet uh, and you never used crypto before, you can sign up to Paragraph using an email and then use it as sort of a, a parody to like a Substack or or you know what have you like the. the okay. Yeah, newsletter platform. So your readers can subscribe using email. They can leave comments. You can publish things. You can send it out, um, you know, et cetera. So like you, you, you can have zero crypto knowledge, but still use the platform. So we, you know, like I'll, I'll give you a handful of examples. So the Rweave storage, like, you know, if you're coming from the Web2 world, you may not know what Rweave is, but like you, you may not need to even care. Like if there's a button that says, just archive this and make it permanent you know, this content and you just click that button and then you publish it. Like that's, that's the extent of what you need to know. Right. Gotcha. Um, okay. Like you don't need to pay gas fees. The paragraph covers, <laughs> you know, fees for storage. Like we, we, we basically cover everything for you. Uh, so you don't need to have a wallet. You don't need to sign messages. You don't need to do anything if you don't want hmm. to, um, you know, similarly, we're moving in that direction as well with the, the gating. Uh, I think there's room for improvement. I mean, we still, you know, I, I think there's always room for improvement when it comes to, to onboarding, but, um, you know, I think getting to the point where creators don't need to know that it's like an NFT, for example, like they, they just have a membership, uh, they can charge in fiat or they can charge in crypto, they can charge in whatever their audience is willing to pay for it. Uh, but they just click a few buttons, they create this membership. Uh, it's a recurring membership and then the readers can buy it. Mm. Uh, again, like no knowledge of crypto would be required necessarily. You don't need to choose a supply. You don't need to choose, you know, what chain you're deploying on and stuff like that. Uh, so again, we're not there yet, but 
And that's kind of what I mean by abstracting away a lot of the crypto, uh, you know, easing the onboarding, but still allowing these creators and their audience to take advantage of, you know, this permissionless access, the permanent storage, the, the decentralization, et cetera. Got it. Mm -hmm. What yeah. about some of these use cases? Um, oh, sorry, Dwayne. I nope, didn't mean to cut you off there. No, yeah. I was just asking about, because you, you mentioned that use cases were also a, a really good way of kind of pointing to some of the value and, you know, looking at where Paragraph is today, maybe we can shift into that. Like, let's talk about like some of the things that you see these creators doing on the platform that's innovative and and interesting and in how they're interacting with their community using, using Paragraph. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I... Uh, one person from the wolf pup community doc the wolf i think yeah. is, uh, yep. <laughs> is you know is a great use case I, I often point to what he's doing uh you know on paragraph and beyond so he he's creating a token gated fictional universe uh gated by like the wolf pup nfts as well as characters that he comes up with and then he mints as nfts and then he embeds those in his paragraph posts and allow readers to collect those nfts and then future content is gated based on on collection of those NFTs. So he's, you know, he, he's coming up with these ideas. He's coming up with these characters. He's embedding it in the posts. He's sending the, those posts out to his readers. His readers can collect their favorite characters. And then that grants access to, to future content. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the holders of these characters can also, you know, get voting power, for example, driving the storyline in, in a specific direction. Um, you know, if they absolutely love a character, they don't want that character to get killed off or, or what have you. Um, you know, and from his perspective, it's, you know, a way to get readers to sort of have stake in the story, uh, you know, but, but just broadly get more involved and more, you know, get more bought in rather than sort of reading, you're actually participating, right? It, it kind of turns into this participatory fiction, which I think, you know, it was not, didn't really exist before, I think, to a, to a large degree. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he also like turned it into a, a, a children's book as well. Like he, he created a, a book. I actually have the book right here. <laughs> oh, nice. That's yeah. awesome. awesome. Shout yeah. out to Doc Kev. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's you know, so I, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. I think participatory fiction, I think is, is awesome. I think, you know, allowing these, these readers to also go sort of create their own storylines around the characters that they've collected, I think is awesome. I think, you know, it's a new notion of co-creation. It's a new form of ownership. Um, you know, et cetera. So I think a lot of that is is now possible, but it previously was not necessarily, you know, as possible or as, as easy as, as it is today. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's a, a fantastic use case. And certainly I did not also design for this from the start. Like that, I think that's another kind of benefit of this, uh, you know, composability, you know, in general. Like I, I have not historically been very large into fiction. So I, you know, I didn't really think of this participatory fiction as sort of a use case that Paragraph would, would support initially. But I mean, he saw that he can import NFTs. He saw that he can mint NFTs on platform and then he like ran with it, right? He, he mm -hmm. just did all this himself. Um, you know, so I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Creating that, um, creating that optionality of like, here's the platform, use the tool, how you see fit and then not restricting like, like you were saying about Substack or whatever, without those restrictions, just letting it guide the path, how people want to use the tool is uh, very cool. And that participation, that's a, that's a really neat part of the story that I, I that I didn't pick up on. Um, but it is intriguing to me. So, um, so with paragraph, like what, what are the next things coming out? Like you, we talked about a couple of like big highlights that you have coming, um, you want to touch on those quick? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to. So yeah, there's a handful of features that we're, uh, you know, we're excited for in general. And again, going back to the three pillars, like all these features are within those pillars, the creation, mm -hmm. distribution, or monetization. So from the creation standpoint, I think there's a lot of uh, opportunity here for AI, like for, for ChatGPT to help, uh, you know, help creators either edit their content to generate content in certain circumstances uh, and beyond. I mean, I, I've been using ChatGPT daily for, for coding and for you know, coming up with copy and stuff. And I, I've just been extremely impressed, I think, with with the power of it. So uh, we're hopefully launching within the next few days a, uh, you know, an integration with with ChatGPT, allowing creators to, to take advantage of, of some of this AI-assisted writing. Um, on top of that, we're, we have a handful of features launching uh, within the next week or so uh, involving collectibles. So we've focused heavily on, on gating, like token gating. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we have an integration with a, a no-code platform called highlight.xyz where you can mint anything as NFTs and then embed it in your posts. But we're, uh, we're, we're, we're working on sort of a more native way, like built into the platform that allows people to collect uh, content. So collect posts as well as collect their favorite, uh, you know, maybe favorite parts of an article. So again, going back to, you know, the benefits that I mentioned earlier about, uh, or, or not benefits, but the, the new means of engagement that a, a creator can have with their audience as a result of collecting some of this content, you know, maybe inviting them into a private, you know, gated discord channel, maybe participatory, maybe voting, you know, et cetera. I think a lot opens up as a result of, of, uh, you know, collecting content. So we're excited to sort of explore more, I think in that direction. Yeah. I want to, I want to ask about, this is something I saw on your website that I found to be very intriguing and it's called decentralized writer collectives. So I'd love for you to expand on that as a as a feature because the way I understand it is you can form collectives or you know you and another creator can kind of collaborate on how you want to provide content and then you know using token gating and of course with smart contracts because you can have it where if there's any trading and royalties you can have, or any minting fees you know there could be split of earnings is that kind of what you mean when you're talking about decentralized writer collectives what kind of opportunity would be there for somebody to be able to kind of collaborate on this. Yeah. So I think there's a handful of things that is meant by this. Like the first is uh, participatory creation, content creation. Uh, so allowing people to create content together. Uh, so Paragraph supports this. You can add other people by wallet address. You can add other people by email to your publication. Um, we're working towards supporting like gated creation. So. I could say anybody that holds, you know, Wolfpup NFT is then allowed to contribute to this newsletter. Uh, and then maybe there's different roles. Maybe they can create content, but not publish it. And then there's one sort of overarching, um, you know, publisher, uh, et cetera. So, um, you know, sorry to, sorry to interrupt you, Colin, but there was one thing that came up in our community. And I think it was actually just this morning. Uh, there's um, one of the members is creating a book club. And she was like, oh, can I use paragraph like for, you know, the notes of the book club, but let other people connect to that paragraph to like do their like input on the book, you know? So that was just like one thought of like collaborative creation is just like, oh, all the people in the book club have access to this paragraph document and they can, you know, work through the, yeah. So yeah, yeah that, that just came up this morning. And, and so it's cool to, that you're talking about it right now. Yeah, very, very timely, I think. Like yeah, that, that's yeah. great. You know, it's a great example, a great use case, I think, which is what we were kind of envisioning with the, the decentralized writer collectives. Um, you know, so allowing people to create 
content, you know, having different roles, having potentially some type of voting mechanism in place where, you know, people can vote on what content gets created and they can vote on, you know, what gets published, et cetera, um, you know, is, is, is a use case, I think with paragraph on, on top of that, there's also like the monetization angle. I mean, I think you mentioned that, but, uh, you know, having like the funds get sent to a smart contract, which then splits the earnings amongst the contributors or, or what have you, um, you know, is, is another thing that I think is sort of in line with this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you brought that up, Dwayne, because I think that's, uh, yeah, we do get the book club that Nicole is going to be hosting and, and, um, you know, and just having this awareness and understanding how, you know, this can be a tool that people can use to help facilitate their creations, but also monetize and engage with their community um, in, in, in coming together to, to have that awareness, I think is going to be really powerful for, yeah. for people in the community as we move forward. I gotta um, bring my I gotta bring yeah. myself back because my mind's already spinning. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like, I know. There's... Like, what can we do here? That, that's, monkey... so, that's so awesome. <laughs> the monkey brain is active, that is for sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, well, listen, um, I, I'd love to, you know, if there's anything that you know you want to share for anybody, like if somebody's kind of new to paragraph that you feel like is important for them to know, maybe you know, getting started. Um, I know you got the website, we got the discord that you, you have where people, you know, collaborate and share ideas and, and you're very engaging in that discord, but, um, for just people who want to get oriented into paragraph, you know, what would be your, what would be your I guess words of wisdom for them to, to get started there? Yeah, I would say just dive in would be my, uh, my words of wisdom. I think, Love it. you know, just, I'm a big proponent of, uh, just like using things and kind of like learning by using. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's trivial to sign up to Paragraph and it's trivial to sign up with competitors of Paragraph as well, right? So, you know, I, I would just encourage just using the different platforms, signing up to Paragraph, seeing what what sort of sticks, like what what you like, what you dislike, um, you know, just, just broadly testing it out and getting involved. Um, the Discord, I mean, yeah, we're, we're active. We have a great community there. There's a lot of, of writers. There's a lot of creators there. Uh, so please, you know, come say hi in the Discord. We would be more than happy to chat. Um, you know, if you get stuck using the platform, there's a documentation website, like a link to on the website, docs.paragraph.xyz. Um, you know, I think we have relatively in-depth documentation. Um, other than that, I'm quite reachable. I mean, feel free to, to reach out to me, you know, if you do encounter any issues or if you have feedback or if you have feature requests, uh, you know, I'm calling arms on, on Twitter and, uh, yeah on discord as well yeah like you're you seem very open as you're like building out this paragraph to you know feature requests or constraints that people like take a doc kev for instance he's using paragraph in a way that you didn't even think of so you wouldn't even understand the constraints that he hits because you're not using it like that but you seem very open to those things to like um you know further progress paragraph down the road of this adoption <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm like a huge fan of like the, the lean startup methodology, like build, mm -hmm. build a minimum viable product, like it's probably going to be crap, you know, it's probably going to look terrible, um, it's going to lack features for sure, get it in front of users as quickly as possible, uh, and then talk to those users and then just iterate, have like very tight feedback loops, like have very low level of bureaucracy, um, and just ship as quickly as possible. Uh, you know, so I think I think this is in contrast to a lot of the uh, the approaches that Web3 startups take. I think a lot of people use like waitlists. They use, you know, gated signups, like signup limits. 
uh, stuff like that, which, which I think works in certain circumstances. Like if you're building a social network and you have a large influx of low quality users, it's going to push, you know, it's going to decrease retention. But, you know, I think a lot of products, a product like Paragraph, that would not benefit us. Like we, we want to talk to users. We want users. We want people to, you know, ideally have a satisfied time on the product. But if not, like we want to hear about that. We, we want to chat with these users directly. You also um, want them, you also want them to break stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's better to be broken now. Like we don't have, you know, as of right now, we don't have a, as large an audience of like a sub stack. So like we can ship things and if they break for certain users, I mean, we find that out quickly, but then we fix that. Right. We're, yeah. we're, we're yeah. not pissing off millions of people immediately. Right. When, mm -hmm. when we ship things. So yeah, that, al that allows us to move very fast. That allows us to, to, listen to users to iterate very quickly. I think that's broadly a advantage of small teams in general, like startups. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I worked at Google, they're a massive company. Like it, it often took long to, to ship things. Um, I worked in anti-abuse. So, I mean, we, we need to ensure there are proper guardrails in place and we need to have privacy approvals and all of that. So, I mean, it was understandable, but there, there was a lot of bureaucracy there that, that I, I think could be eliminated. So I'm like really trying to empower that uh, you know, in a paragraph we're we're a team of three right now. We're, we're all engineers, myself and two others, uh, you know, senior engineers. So we, you know, we, we just really try to ship quickly and talk to users, identify pain points. I think these are all things that people working on startups should be doing ultimately. Mm. I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's really powerful, especially, uh, um, the lean startup method. I've read that book by the way, by Eric Reese. It's really good. And, um, creating that tight feedback loop and, um, knowing that that's the philosophy that you're working under is um, refreshing for somebody who's engaging on the platform and working on the platform because um, it, it shows that you're nimble and you're willing to adjust and, and work with the, the needs of the community and the people that are utilizing the platform. And, um, and you're not bringing on, I think there's a risk management piece there that that's important, especially when you're talking about small teams and, and how, you know, if you do need to ship something, it's, it's not something that if it does break, it's not a ton of risk. You don't have a, a lot of, you know, a lot of risk there. So um, this is great, Colin. I, I appreciate you you coming on to this podcast and sharing with us. We'll, we'll certainly, um, you know, be be utilizing the platform more for, for our use cases. We're going to be exploring different opportunities for ways we can engage with, you know, just the overall Wolfden ecosystem and other people and other creators that, are coming in, you know, we'll, we'll now have this conversation that we can share and, and continue mm -hmm. to engage with. So, um, I really appreciate your time to be here and, and tell us about paragraph and your, your story and your journey for being an OG in the blockchain space. <laughs> it's really cool to find somebody that's been around for that long. That's, that's, I don't find too many people that's been around for 10 years. So that's, uh, that's really cool, but, um, yeah, just want to say thank you. And it's great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me on the pod. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. And again, if any of your listeners are interested in using Paragraph or, you know, would like to chat a bit deeper in anything I've said, you know, my, my DMs are open. More than happy to, to chat. Yeah, this is this has been a lot of fun. And I hope um, we've inspired some people in the audience to, you know, look at DocKev and Wolfpup Zero. And now I'm like on Paragraph as well. And just like take a look at what we're doing and see what you can come up with and create your own and and try and uh, figure out a different use case. Like it, it's been a fun, it's it's been a fun time diving in and trying to use this tool, how how my creative mind comes up with. So yeah, it's it's been awesome, Colin. And uh, really glad we had this conversation. Thanks. Thank you. Ooh.